1: KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now
2: 102.3 FM. I'm Tom Busby, CNBC. Is the Federal Reserve gearing up to slow down its pace of interest rate hikes next year? Reports of a pause from the Fed helped turn around a massive sell-off today on Wall Street. That follows the arrest of a top Chinese tech executive for violating U.S. sanctions against Iran. Iran which throws the chances of a U.S.-China trade deal into jeopardy. The Dow, down almost 800 points early today, lost just 79, and the Nasdaq, which was sharply lower, ended 29 points higher. Fiat Chrysler planning to reopen a long-closed engine plant in Detroit to make the new three-row Jeep Grand Cherokee. Private companies took on 179,000 new workers in November, a bit fewer than forecast. A holiday surprise for house hunters. Long-term mortgage rates fell to a two-month low last week. And the chairman and CEO of Bankrupt Sears is offering to buy the chain for $4.5 billion, saying he'll save 50,000 jobs that otherwise might be lost. Tom Busby, CNBC.
1: It's the little things. Like finding 20 bucks in the wash. (laughs) Woo! Jackpot! Or knowing where to shop online for all the newest styles and best deals around. Stage.com, of course. Visit stage.com today for incredible sales, our newest markdowns on clearance, more extended sizes, and even more choices. Plus, check out today's deals online for daily coupons and offers. Fresh styles, big savings, and fun perks every day. Stage.com. Little things mean everything. Offer exclusions apply.
2: Wherever you are this giving season, there's no better way to say Happy Holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And right now, you can get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at vistaprint.com. There are hundreds of our newest card designs to choose from. Or give a year's worth of joy by personalizing calendars full of unforgettable pictures. So get merry. Get jolly. Get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus, save on other photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code HOLIDAY. That's vistaprint.com promo code HOLIDAY. California headline news, rains continuing to fall in areas of Southern California where fires burned earlier this year, posing the threat of mudslides and debris flows. Residents in West Malibu communities already facing a long road to recovery.
3: Not working, um, no electricity, no internet, no mail, no cell, cell, cell phone service, nothing.
2: Everything we hear is keep out, hard
1: closure, stay out.
2: Nearly a month since the destructive Woolsey fire tore through the area, crews working to restore utilities say they'll be busy for at least another week. Supervisors in Santa Cruz County approving a ban of little soap bottles in hotels, calling on them to use bulk dispensers instead. So
4: eventually, sure, you know, I mean, they may get to the point where they have to be disposed of, but that'll be, you know, once, maybe twice a year, maybe not even that often. Save
2: our shore spokesperson, Catherine O'Day. Some 23,000 bottles of soap and shampoo are disposed of each year by Santa Cruz County hotels. Rain continuing in the Southern California region, clearing today up north. Jeff Scott, California News. At AT AT&T, we believe that access to affordable home internet brings incredible opportunities. Explore a digital world
1: of possibilities and connect with family, friends, and the things that matter most. That's why there's access from AT&T. If you are a California resident and a member of your household participates in SNAP or receives SSI benefits, you may qualify for home internet at a discounted rate of $10 a month. No commitment, no deposit, no installation fee. Plus, get an in-home Wi-Fi gateway at no extra cost. Call 1-855-220-5211 or visit att.com slash aware to learn more. SNAP refers to
0: the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. SSI refers to the Federal Supplemental Security Income Program. Pricing excludes taxes and fees. Service will include a monthly allowance depending on the type and speed of service you receive if you exceed your monthly data plan allowance you will be automatically charged 10 dollars for each 50 gigabytes of data usage in excess of your data plan even if less than 50 gigabytes is used for details about data allowances go to att.com internet usage wi-fi enabled device required other
1: restrictions apply Hi, I'm David Abrams, owner of Grand Jewelers Pawn and Loan, and for over 57 years we've been advising and guiding our clients about buying and selling carrot gold jewelry, diamonds, coins, and high-grade watches. If you've been thinking about selling your jewelry, now is your opportunity to liquidate those pieces and put your newfound cash to work for you. Or perhaps you want to repurpose those diamonds that you inherited from your family. If you don't know whom to trust when it comes to liquidating your jewelry assets or redesigning those tired pieces, turn to Grand Jewelers Pawn and Loan in Rancho Cucamonga. We're professionals in the jewelry industry. with over 110 years of combined expertise and knowledge and we will empower you with the knowledge that will enable you to make the best decision about repurposing those old diamonds or liquidating your jewelry. Grand Jewelers Pawn and Loan is located in the Signature Center Rancho Cucamonga and we're open till 6 p.m. Monday through Saturdays and 5 p.m. on Sundays. Check us out on Yelp and Google. We're a five-star rated family business and we'd love to get to know you. Grand Jewelers located in the Signature Center Rancho Cucamonga.
3: Looking for a new place to eat, delicious food, at a great value? The Tri-City Center in Redlands is proud to announce the grand opening of a fine new dining establishment. Terry's Diner, at the former location of the Spunky Steer in Redlands, is officially open for business daily from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. with delicious mouth-watering breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Treat yourself to Terry's tasty dessert menu, such as Terry's famous Sundays, banana splits, hot fudge cake, old-fashioned root beer floats, Frosties, cakes and pies too. You'll find weekly lunch and dinner specials all under $10 including Angus steaks, burgers, Greek salads, pasta seafoods with wine and beer. Terry's brings years of tasty temptations from DJs in San Bernardino and Alta Join a new tradition in Redlands. Stop by at 1350 Industrial Park Avenue between Tennessee and Alabama in the Tri-City Center. Google Terry's Diner Redlands on Yelp or find them at TerrysDinerRedlands.com For more local radio every day, tune in to KCAA Loma Linda. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the greatest real estate investment show ever. Here's
5: the flip-flop investor himself, Todd Bayer. Hey, everyone. How are we doing out there today? This is the Flip Flop Investor Show, and I am your host, Todd Bayer, the Flip Flop Investor himself. Every week we get together, we talk about real estate investing here in the Illinois Empire, um, and really anywhere, but we're just in the Illinois Empire, so that's where we talk about it. we like to talk about it. We get a local expert on the air every single week. Uh, sometimes we bring on a, a local guy who's uh, you know newbie or a, not so new. You're not new to the industry, but uh, newer to the industry. Uh, so we have a repeat guest, some we've had on before, uh, which. I'm very excited about this because you came prepared. Todd Dominguez, how are you doing today? Mr. Bear? how are you, sir? You know, not doing too bad. Not doing too bad, considering sure. the rain and everything, you know? It's a little soupy out there. A little soupy, yeah. <laughs> we got a flash flood warning just before we went on. Right. My ph- our phones did go off. <laughs> yeah, so uh, fortunately, the uh, policeman was very helpful. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I was surprised how fast you outran him. That was good. Yeah, you know, uh,
5: <laughs> and you know, he was very sporting about it at right. the end. Yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we made it here safe and sound. Uh, we'll see what happens afterwards. Be careful out there, buddy. everybody. Everybody, wow. yeah. If you're out there driving, be careful. The roads are slick. Yeah. So um, Todd's a uh, real estate flipper.
4: Yes. And yeah. enjoying every minute of it. I love doing this job.
5: Yeah. Cause you've done, you've done
4: other stuff before. I, well, yeah, I've had careers before and uh, <laughs> I, most of them have been in sales and uh, there's a lot of carryover. Right. Um, but you know, we, we kind of discussed that the last time I was on the show. Um, it, it, it really is about the numbers, just grinding it out, doing it day after day. And uh, every once in a while you hit, hit a good one.
5: Yeah, it's true. And yeah. a lot of people probably don't know that going into this business. They think that, you know, I don't know what they think, but <laughs> they're always surprised to find out how much it's, of it, a sales it, system you really need to have. I have a funnel. I, I
4: track everyone, and uh, I check back on uh, them if they don't go through. So, yeah, it's it's uh, you got to keep track of everything you're doing.
5: Yeah, and it's, you know, do you have systems built out for these sorts of things?
4: I do. I use, uh, PipeDrive is, well, I don't know if we can mention names, but I, I do use a, okay, good. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good funnel system, uh, and it keeps track of everything that I want to look at and when to go back and revisit these things, so.
5: Yeah, and PipeDrive, is sort of a it's like a digital funnel right. you can track online. It's a cloud-based thing. It's, it's one of the best I've ever used. So really, yeah, it really can, it, it it
4: navigates my daily actions. I, I live think, in that thing.
5: I think you and I we've talked about uh, using uh, Goldmine before, right? I you, we've talked about it. I haven't looked into that one, but uh, I'm so happy with the one I've got that it, if it ain't broke, I'm gonna fix it. Right? <laughs> you know, and I don't I don't know what gold mines like now because last time I used Goldmine was in two thousand three. Two thousand two, maybe two thousand two is probably more likely. Yeah, um, and you know it was good then for what it was, but you know it was on an, a on an intranet. It was on an inner office right, right, system. Yeah. I don't even know if they had an online version at that time. I don't know if they have an online version now. I haven't looked into it, <laughs> but...
4: I'm sure the IT administrator loved it, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
5: You know, they did. They had a they had a full, uh, full-time full yeah. IT guy that there. sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a very expensive program back then. I don't know what it's like now, but <laughs> pipe drive is good because even a small real estate investor, if you're just a solo kind of, you know, deal, a solopreneur... Uh, which you're not, but no, you know. I mean, I've actually been fortunate enough to, to to form a team
4: that's really working for us now. But yeah, it's, I you know I'm the I'm the guy that in the team that goes out and hunts. Yeah, it's just like a sales job. But, right. Uh, and and your intake. I, I'm on the right. I'm on the other side of the equation this time. But uh, it's it's I, it's a system that we we've kind of come to
5: that it really works for all of us. So. And then did you develop the pipe drive thing? Like, did you actually build out all the little? I did. So each segment that you could possibly be in from. You know cold lead to warm lead i mean how how are you structuring your pipe drive so i've you know i have a lead in which is
4: uh unevaluated properties that i need to get to then i have evaluated properties and i make a decision there if i'm going to make an offer or not okay and i have properties that i've made contact with the owner specifically so okay. principal to principal and then if it's on the mls i'll kind of categorize it that way if i've, I've made an offer we're waiting to hear back, and then if it's that offer is accepted, we get into escrow, and then it's into
5: construction, and then it's back on the market. So that's kind of how I structure it. So you're actually, you're doing it based upon uh, the properties rather than by the owner or the, the the person that you'd be in touch with. Yeah, no, I,
4: I view each property as an opportunity itself. So okay. not necessarily a, you know, if it, where it comes from, if it's a wholesaler or if it's a door that I've knocked on or if it's a realtor, that the, I
5: really don't discriminate that much in my, in my pipe drive. But got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting how people do it. My, I myself would have done it by by owner name, you know, by, by the person because that's who you're talking to. And sometimes they might have multiple deals, but right, you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? And you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I, it, I had kind of done this
4: uh, in my previous uh, uh, funnels. I had I had done it by, by company, but okay. I view each property as an opportunity, um, kind of regardless of who the
5: owner is. So got it. Yeah, I don't want one going south just because I didn't do something right with the owner before. So, so you sort of have like a loopback thing, right? So if it's like it's a, it's an unevaluated property is what you said you started out with. Right. If you start with an unevaluated, then you're supposed to evaluate it. But uh, once you evaluate it, now you're coming up with a value on the property, and I'm guessing you're going to come up with like a rehab cost. Right. Yeah. Um, so a few so other things.
4: Are, uh, quite a few of them are, are kind of blind offers. So you kind of rule of thumb it just, uh, eh, let's look at 10% of ARV is probably my construction cost. is a good rule of thumb. But okay. A lot of times you get into it and it's like, uh, this is going to be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Price reduction. <laughs> yeah,
5: exactly. Well, you're going to need that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you, uh, okay. I, I, I kind of like the idea of talking about Pipe Drive because you actually are probably one of the more stronger salespeople that I've ever had on the show. Okay. You know, just from your previous background in tech sales and things like that. it's, right. um, you know, building out your, your system is actually a very important thing right. to do. And pipe drive is a very good thing to do. We've used pipe drive, obviously, in our company. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I myself am not on pipe drive. I, I don't actually look at the pipe drive. This is something that, because I don't handle intake for our company, that's all handled through Steven mm-hmm. and, you know, the other people we had doing that stuff. But right. uh, they had a pipe drive system built out and you know i know that it was very helpful for them for you know follow up and all this other kind of stuff yeah and, and daily activities too i mean it's you, you kind of do the unfun things first and then the rest <laughs> of the day gets fun so but yeah i structure every day around that that tool so every day you wake up like and first thing you do is turn on pipe drive i think pipe drive actually is my alarm clock <laughs> is it yeah it's trying to get out now <laughs> nice so and on pipe drive you got all your all the and, and pipe drive really is a customer uh relationship management software it's it's absolutely crm yeah and And it's tied into like a sales funnel so um yeah you can you can basically track your your deals through multiple multiple steps right i mean think of it as like a you know you're you're running a tire shop right you know you could it's, it's the same thing you could use it for basically any kind of a sales situation where it's starting with a lead to a you know
4: yeah, and I and I, I the way I kind of use it is I check it the night before. Here's all my activities for tomorrow, and then it's on. I do this on my computer, and then as I'm driving around, all of a sudden it pops up on my phone. Oh, time to call this person. Let's see what they're doing. You know, yeah, kind of stuff. It's it, it really. I think it's I think it's kind of developed by salesmen. Yeah. who kind of get it, and uh, it's it's really. I, I wish I had had this in my previous sales lives. I didn't really get pipe drive until. I got into uh, the real estate business and I became that entrepreneurial mm-hmm. type. It was always kind of that uh, enterprise wide CRM,
5: okay. Salesforce kind of
4: thing. But uh, but so this one.
5: Yeah, I, so you've used Salesforce. You've I mentioned have, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's,
4: it's better than Salesforce, you'd say. You know, I don't want to talk bad about anybody. Salesforce is a really good tool. Yeah. But uh, for my world now, yes, I like PipeDrive better.
5: Is, is it for is the price? Play a role in this, in this liking it better, more? <laughs> of <or>? course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have want to pay $2,000 a month for <laughs> No? Man.
4: I'm sorry, Salesforce. Yeah, right, yeah, You're expensive. <laughs> Figure that out. <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah. So.
4: It, it, it's, it's, uh,
5: for the price,
4: it, it's a really good value for me.
5: Yeah. Salesforce obviously has like enterprise level capabilities right. where you can, you know, establish teams and all this, you know, wonderful, big, big, big stuff you can do. But right. with Pipe Drive, you could do it more as a, you know, a smaller organization.
4: Well, I've been able to adapt it. So, it's since the last time I've been on this, I've really kind of formed a team of three principals in here. Um, and one of them you've had on your radio show, a gentleman by the name of Danny Ruiz. He's yeah. just a fantastic contractor. Absolutely. You, anybody out there, if you get a chance to work with Danny, please do. It's, he's great at what he does. But you know, within if we're talking about Pipe Drive, I can assign activities to him. Hey, Danny, I need a I need a scope on this property. Yeah, let's let's go. Or we're gonna go walk this property. We're at escrow, Let's go walk this property. So I can assign it to him. It pops up on his calendar. So
5: nice. Yeah, it works. It works really well. You can so. set due dates and all that kind of exactly, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, I. There's a lot of people that you know probably when they start out in this business they don't realize the kind of organization you need to have in order to do this effectively. Yeah, and so you know it's it's a big thing. I'm I'm glad you're talking about this because well, one of the good things is it kind of takes the politics
4: out of it. It's because it's not me telling
5: you to do something. It's it's yeah,
3: pipe drive. It's pipe drive
5: right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's yeah it's not the it's not the Todd Dominguez app popping up on your phone. That's right. Yeah, I know. saying go evaluate this property. It's pipe drive telling <laughs> it's you to do it. I, you know, I <laughs> I can blame somebody else now. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so. You know, most shows we do most most uh, you know flip flop investor shows we do we're highly prepared. You know, we always have a very long list of discussion and topic points we're going to go over. Uh, but today I didn't prepare any of these. You know, because you, Mr. Dominguez, over here he he prepared a whole slideshow. I did on I, his company slide deck. It was very impressive. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> you had a bunch of questions you were going to ask me. And I we, did I
4: because, you know, as a sales guy, you know, that if you want to win the game, sometimes you got to change the rules, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not I, as interesting as you. So, man, you know, I don't think that everybody wants to tune in to hear what I have to say. Of I course they, they want to hear
5: you, no, your, no. your opinion. So yeah, I, I came in with a slide deck today. Uh, very nice. <laughs> and you know, these haven't been pre-rehearsed. So no, not at all. I looked through the first two slides. I think there's a lot more than that. So yeah, I, I have more questions that I'm sure we'll be able to get through today. Well, perfect. Uh, yeah, I guess we could uh, we could lead it off. We're going to we're going to do a role reversal today and Todd's going to ask uh, Todd all the questions. Yeah. So I I am calling this segment Todd grills Todd. So, Todd, yeah. what? Grills Todd. Grills Todd. Yeah. Okay, better than Todd on Todd. I that guess. that sounds like a weird movie. Two Todds don't make a right. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
4: So, let's all right. I I'm going to start with a little bit of the tactical, then we'll get maybe into the the economics of it. How's that? Okay. Okay. So, the first question I really wanted to talk to you about was was your philosophy on permitting there is a kind of a wide range of answers that I get mm-hmm. from I never do that to I, do, I permit everything down to you know, right. <laughs> the, the light switch. Of course. So what, what really is your advice on permits when I get into a project? Because what is absolutely necessary to permit? Mm-hmm. What's kind of needs to be permitted?
5: And what's the gray area? Well, everything needs to be permitted. Good. Uh, yeah, that's... And, and you know this is going to be the politically correct answer, obviously. You know, you should obviously always permit your property. If the city requires it, you should permit it. Right. And if you don't know if they require it, you should go ask them,
4: you know. So do you know guys that kind of try and get around that at all? Or Oh, is of it course.
5: No, I'm, and, and The second part of this is, you know... Uh, the, the, co- the correct answer, the one that everybody wants to hear and all the cities need to, you know, they want to hear this from me because I know they're tuning in and listening. <laughs> um, you know, you got you got a permit, everything, you know, and, right. and, and you should always get your permits finalized, inspections, all that good stuff. So, but most of the investors I know don't permit you know they they basically uh they basically do first and then you know beg for forgiveness if they get stopped
4: right and i don't ever want to call an investor and tell them you know what, we've been red flagged because we didn't get permits on <laughs> right. this thing so i don't want to have that conversation but i also see it as a value add when i'm selling that property i can show the the, the seller's agent I mean, the buyer's agent or the buyer himself, herself, that everything here is
5: legitimate and we've done it well. Right. And it's, you know, and it is a selling point, especially if you're going into adding square footage. Right. You know, and, and certainly on the properties that we do, when whenever we're adding square footage, we want to be able to show that on the tax roll. So we're always doing permits on those things. Yeah. Because we want to be able to show that stuff. You know, it gets into the gray area a little bit when you're talking about, A light switch you know (laughs) i'm sure the city would love to be notified for these things but most investors i know they're not calling the city out to be like hey we're going to change out a couple plugs and light switches in this house because they don't work
4: and as busy as, as as the you know the guys that come out and do the inspections that work for the city, um, do they want to come out for a light switch? I don't know.
5: They do. You know, they most cities have these very wonderful permits you can get called a rehab permit, so right. you can go in and just you know for any of these basic things, you know, you can let them know that you're going to be doing some basic stuff. And, and sometimes it's just over the counter, and you can show them what you're doing, and they'll sign it off there, right? Oh, not always. No, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and some cities do require you have a business license in right. that city. Uh, you know, I know if you're not necessarily housed at, you know, your headquarters are not in that city. They're still going to want you to have a business license there. And, you know, they want you to pay your, your business, uh, tax and everything. And and I say it is necessary. That's a, that's a cost of doing business, you know, but right. It's not much. That's the other side of it. Permits usually aren't that expensive to actually get. No, um,
4: they haven't been so far.
5: But you know, uh, but, but the, the expensive part of permits is really when you get into room additions stuff like that because now you have to get an architect or an engineer. Right. You know, you have to get all these stamps from people and uh, plan checks, and it just takes a lot of time and so forth. So and you know, it's it's unpredictable to how much extra hold
4: time you're going to add to the job. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I see it as a necessary part of this process. I I've, I haven't learned the lesson yeah. per se, but I, I I've had conversations with people that have warned me.
5: Yeah, it's... Uh,
4: Just go get the permit. It's Yeah, get the permit.
5: It's not that big of a deal. Right. You know, like a lot of people make a big stink about it. You know, I, I know that in my past, there's been times where it's like, oh, you know, a permit, yeah, you know. <laughs> there was a there was a property we were doing out in Baldwin Park where we didn't pull a permit, you know, and we got red tagged. It, it's It happens. Yeah. You know, and really all it caused us to do was have to file a permit for what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening with that was that what we originally planned to do was going to make it unprofitable right so what we ended up having to do was build out a room addition on this whole place mm-hmm. we were just we were actually carrying off an illegal addition oh and they red tagged us you know like we were doing what they probably wanted us to do right because we weren't going to rebuild the illegal addition we were going to get rid of it it was going to be a nicer property without this addition but so that's, that's a little bit of a catch-22 we
4: we're trying to do it right but
5: yeah they were concerned that we were going to renovate the Uh, the uh, addition that was on this home and and try to sell it, which we actually weren't. That's the truth (laughs) of that. Um, But yeah, they stopped us. So what we ended up having to do to make the deal profitable was we had to now build up a much bigger addition off the back.
4: So not only did you get some extra holding time, you got, you had additional expenses. expenses.
5: Exactly. Yeah. We built off the back, another two bedroom, one bathroom attachment with like kind of a living room, which, we put uh, a wet wall in this in this room because mm-hmm. we figured somebody might buy it from us and turn that into a yeah. second unit. Good idea. But we didn't want to actually file for a second permit or a second unit permit, so we just put the wet wall in there with like a cool. wet bar in like in the yes. living room. So if somebody wanted to make that into a kitchen later on, they could. That's a good selling point, right? We did, and you know, it, we sold it that way that it was a nice feature that it could be made into a second unit down the road. We just it wasn't permitted that way, and you know, we didn't sell it as a two unit. We sold it as a single family, you know, four bedroom, two bath. So it all uh, turned out okay. It turned out okay. We made good. some money, you good, know, good. but that was uh that was one of those instances where we didn't get the permit and yeah, we got red tagged. And for anybody that doesn't know a red tag from the city it means <laughs> you have to stop work, otherwise they can confiscate your tools and yeah. you
4: know yeah, I like, haven't got one but I've heard stories. Yeah, they're
5: yeah. Yeah, they and they're once they give you a red tag, they check up on you regularly. <laughs> so you're on the radar. Yeah, you are on the radar. And like that property, um, I don't that think there's was, enough pizza you could buy to make a happy at that point. No. <laughs> you know, and that that property was it was the ugliest house on the street for many many years. I'm sure it had many code violations going into it. You know, they they knew about the house and they they stopped us. You know, we were in the demo stage. Yeah. It's it's you're not the, nobody's that unlucky. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, somebody was watching that thing. Somebody was. Yeah. yeah, and who knows, maybe the neighbor was the inspector, I don't know, but <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad it all worked out. It worked out. But yeah, get your permits. Yeah, absolutely.
4: <laughs> so uh, contractors. So I've got a really great situation. Yeah, you're spoiled. Yeah, I am. And, and, and I know it. And Danny's just a great, great contractor. <laughs> but we're getting to the point where hopefully we can do enough volume that Danny is just kind of watching the jobs, going mm-hmm. job to job, but we actually had to hire GCs, right? So I want to talk to you. What, what really is the best way to vet a contractor? I mean, I like to ask them questions like, Hey, can you push $10,000 a week through a job? Cause I've got a time schedule. I want to move this job along. You know, have you worked with investors before? Do you have a portfolio? Can I walk one of your job sites? But what else do, should I be asking contractors?
5: Those are good questions. Uh, you know, those are good things you should ask them. Yeah. Uh, Having experience with an uh, investment-grade property is very important. (laughs) Uh, There's many contractors. Danny was a... The homeowner type contractor when right. we first met him okay you know and we kind of <laughs> we kind of made danny break his mold a little bit did you did you train danny because he's fantastic now yeah we, well maybe we i didn't, do you a you. he yeah. didn't need much training okay. we just sort of had to dial him down a little bit okay you know one example was danny and we talked about this when he was on the show uh was he wanted to put solid core doors in all the in all, all the all the interior doors so bedrooms would have solid solid core was this in your joint venture in in, Diamond bar, in, yeah, and walnut. Oh, walnut. We, we okay, and we did a deal in walnut, got yeah, with yeah. Danny. And the uh, yeah, he wanted solid core doors, and we're like, we don't need solid core, we can <laughs> do fine with the regular hollow six panel doors that we were going to put in. And you know, he fought us on it. And uh, <laughs> who won? Well, he won, I guess, because he put them in anyway, but he paid for them out of his own pocket. Ooh, okay, so he he said, I just want to do it because I want this. He's got I got my name on it, yada yada. You know, he had this whole thing about it, you know, and he put like you know lighting underneath all the cabinets and so there's a lot of stuff that he did on that house that maybe it made it sell i don't know maybe maybe that's why it sold so quickly uh, yeah. who knows yeah. you know you know the hammock in the backyard and like the some of the the little flourish he did on the backyard landscaping you know some of that stuff we wouldn't have done you know we would probably just put sod and sprinklers in and called it a day right but he wanted to put in like a some brickwork area with a little fire pit thing and a hammock he put in between two trees over there mm-hmm. you know extra cost i don't know maybe is maybe, like, the total it cost extra. But for him, that's the kind of stuff he would want to do. And he wanted to do a lot of homeowner-type things. Right. You know, some of the vendors he was getting stuff from were were very expensive vendors. We found him some vendors that get the same product for a much lower price. So... He, he's actually good at that now. So he, whatever he picked up from you guys, he does it well. Now. Yeah. Cause you gotta be price conscious, you right. know, like exactly when you're doing a kitchen for a homeowner, you can spend $50,000, <laughs> you know, and I would never spend probably more than like 10, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and 10,000 is going to be a nice kitchen, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you're going to be doing stuff with like the custom, uh, you know, woodworking and the, you know, crown molding and all this other great stuff you can do in your kitchen. Uh, with a contractor, it's really important to know, like, you know, if you can get them to kind of talk about where they get some of their materials from, maybe throw some scenarios out at, out at them, see how that pricing aligns with you. Um, you know, just ask them what it costs to install a slab of quartz, you know, right. like, see how well they know their numbers. Like, that would be a good sign of somebody that's good. Um, you know, definitely checking up on what they do, really staying on them in the beginning. So, you know, we tend to kind of hire quickly but <laughs> and fire quickly, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we like to give people a chance. But, you know, if we go to their job site halfway through the day and it's clear that they're not doing it the way we would expect it to be done, they're fired immediately. I mean, it's. Yeah, we're we're quick to move them in and move them out.
4: Right, that's good because that, that way the, the problems don't faster. I mean, I'm at every job site at least once a week. Yeah. So nothing's going to go longer than a week. But you know, what about when we when you're getting into these conversations that when you're meeting the contractors, what about insurance and workers' comp and liability and all that well, kind yeah, of stuff? Well, if they're,
5: yeah, if they're licensed, they need to have all that stuff. If they're not licensed, you need to have all that stuff. Right. Okay. You know, so it's you know you can hire unlicensed workers. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to actually hire them as an employee and pay them for the job and you have to have workers' compensation. There's, right. you know, bunch a bunch of stuff costly. you got to do. Yeah. yeah, no, I do <laughs> It could be costly, but it could also be a cost savings, you know, because if you have a guy that's really good at a lot of stuff and you basically have him working on all your projects, you know, he's basically like an employee anyway, you know, it might actually save you some time and money to just get him a, co- a charge card to – you know, give him an American Express card, and he can go buy materials, and he doesn't have to bother you about it. You That's know, still a or bad idea, but yeah, as long like, as I can track it and see yeah. what he's doing, and you can, because you know, he can. You can always tell him if you go to Home Depot to buy materials or something, you have to use this uh, job code or whatever you, you know you want right. to do, and they have to. You can invoice it, you know, and get it get it so it's nicely divisible, right? And you know, review the receipts. You're like, oh, I see you bought a you know, <laughs> a Jack Link. Uh, you know, jerky and you bought a, a Diet Coke, <laughs> you know, I'm taking <laughs> that off of the, the invoice. Am <laughs> yeah. Am I paying for that? No. Uh, what about,
4: what about paying the contractors up front? I mean, state law kind of says what 10% or a thousand dollars is, is the most they can ask for, but how do you treat your contractors in the beginning of a job? Do you give them a bunch of money up front and say, get at it? Or how do you, how do you handle it?
5: We usually hand them 20% to start. Okay. Um, and the reason being is because most of the guys we're working with aren't, you know, they're not licensed contractors. Most of the guys we, we have working, um, they're actually a lot of them are licensed, but they're not cash heavy. They don't have a lot of money of their own, you know. So they don't. Right. They can't afford to front a job necessarily to keep right. it going. Right. Uh, most of the people we have, yeah, are actually licensed. Now that I think about it. Okay. Um, there's a couple of unlicensed guys, and for them, we have we have special arrangements with the contractors we work with, and they're hired by them. Got it. Um. So they, uh, but the, the guys that are unlicensed, uh, or, or the or the guys that we have running the jobs, they're usually, um, we give them twenty percent. And that gets them started. Once they get that kind of stuff done, then we give them another, like, 20%. And we just keep it going until the end. Okay, cool. That makes sense. We try uh, to do everything, like, on a five-draw kind of thing. But there's, if we try out a new guy, we probably will we'll start him with 10%.
4: Okay, just yeah. to make sure. It's that been a while, but, yeah. First couple weeks go well.
5: We'll, we'll start a new guy with 10% up, up okay. front. And then... Uh, how we, depending on how he does then we'll maybe advance 20% on the next job but we're, we're always advancing so that, that 20% is really kind of after you've, they've, they've gotten through that probation
4: period or whatever it is maybe yeah because
5: okay. Okay. we like to you know we want to see how they perform in the, in the beginning right. first but they're uh, are they showing up to the job shows? okay
4: round two name something that's not boring
2: a laundry
1: ooh a book club computer solitaire
0: huh ah that's ChumbaCasino.com
5: and live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.
5: Sober. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We're on time. We're at all. Yeah. <laughs> <You right. know? laughs> um, yeah. They. Some, some. I don't know. It's it's tough with contractors. And you know, I would say generally speaking, it's probably best practice to have them front the job up front, and then you're you're reimbursing them upon work completed. Right. I would say it's probably better in general, just because. You don't know what kind of quality you're getting out of these guys. I've met a lot of people that have lost a lot of money to contractors that started a job and then finished it terribly or didn't finish it and you know now they got this big, you know, problem on their hands. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. There's, them, yeah I, it, I, I it's know, happened to I a lot said. of people, you know, where you, yeah, the, the money becomes a real issue at the end. It's not always an issue at the very beginning, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I've lived one of
4: those. So, uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about as you're getting into a property. Mm-hmm. So I feel better if I have a lot of questions answered before any money gets into this property, even EMDs. Okay. Um, but I want to do inspections on a property. So we were having this conversation with my partners, but I want to do, as we're getting into escrow, the first week, I want to do a home inspection and I want to do a sewer line scope. Okay. And if those reveal problems, then I want to go do a bit like a termite inspection, which is usually kind of free. I can usually get those for free from, mm-hmm. from the, but a, a roof inspection. And then I want to see if the foundation is good. I want to see I have a major systems inspection. It, do you think that's overkill or is that a good idea or
5: a bad idea or is it a waste of money? What's your thoughts on that? Most of those are going to get caught out on, on, a, on, a, on a regular property inspection. Right. You know, they may they may not do the roof. They may not they may not do anything about the foundation. But m- most property inspectors we've worked with will at least tell you condition of the roof, condition of the foundation. You know, they'll get underneath if it's a subfloor. Yeah, they'll get in there, and I've seen them take pictures of you know post and pier. They've they've done all kinds of stuff, uh, stem walls. They'll they'll call it all out. So, so not a bad idea, or is it? I oh, mean, it's a great idea. Okay, no, okay. I, it's it's something you can hand your contractor at the beginning and say. Right. You know, we had an inspection done. All these things in red need to not be red when you're done. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, if we're in escrow, we're, you know, hey, Mr. Owner, you didn't disclose this to
4: us. These right. are extra costs. Maybe can we work something out here?
5: Yeah, it could be used as a negotiation tool right. as well. Like, you can get in there. I mean, like definitely stuff with the foundation. If you get in, you're like, man, this, this thing actually has a lot of foundation problems we didn't realize going right. in because... You know, you may not notice that there's a slope in the living room when you first walk it. You know, you're <laughs> kind of just excited to be in there, and, you know, maybe the people are still living there. You're kind of looking at their stuff that they have. You know, like, I know I've looked at their furniture choices. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's those cracks coming off of every window and every doorway that dude, Right. The, the, usually the, set you off, you know. <laughs> the big yellow spots on the ceiling, you know. <laughs> right. Um, no, we painted that ourselves. We like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's... <laughs> Part of the decor <laughs> right? It goes <laughs> nice with my yellow couch um, and my yellow rug, <laughs> which was from their animal. Um, no, yeah, inspections are good up front. The sewer line's interesting. It's, uh, you know, uh, it's something that happens fairly often where you'll find roots in the sewer line going out to the street. You know, and there's, there's a reason why the house isn't draining well or something like that. Um, I don't know if you necessarily need to do that up front, but... You know it can become costly if you have to replace a, a sewer line a main line <laughs> going back out so right yeah that that's we've had that uh, issue recently
4: in a house we have an escrow we he scoped it and he says uh, there's there's some issues here so
5: you know Danny kind of looked at it and said, it's not gonna be that expensive but it is an extra cost so I'm glad yeah. we had
4: that information going in
5: yeah we we actually just did it ourselves we had a property uh, same thing it wasn't draining very well and it was actually all uh, roots in the uh, line going to the uh, the septic tank right so septic tank is something we always get certified we always do that going into it we always want to have a septic sign a cert going in right uh so one thing i would add to your list would be a septic cert if they're on septic yeah um you know because septic tanks have caused us many many problems (laughs) in the past and you know if, if we go in and we know the septic tank's bad then we know we're gonna have to change it or do something to it you know, we've had to we've we've taken it as far as putting in a whole new leach field and leach lines, like everything. We've had to do a whole new septic system on a property in Phelan not that long ago.
4: That sounds expensive.
5: It was about well, I mean, I what was that about eight thousand dollars? I think is what it cost total. You know, and I, we got a good deal on it. The guy was very helpful. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, but um, it wasn't that big of a system. So you know, they they can get they can definitely get up there. I've heard of septic systems getting up to the. You know fifteen twenty thousand dollar range so <laughs> that'll blow a budget it will if you didn't expect to have to do it going in we we knew there was a problem with the system going in we just didn't know we'd have to do the whole thing so it was about three thousand dollars more than we expected to have to spend on it we figured we had to replace the tank okay but we didn't know we'd have to do the whole field too yeah
4: that's that's a that's a big project so yeah
5: so i'm gonna change gears a little bit but
4: right. uh my partners and i are at the point where we're trying to attract private money into this. Okay. So I want your opinion on what really is the best way to to attract private money. So is it, do I go to networking events? Is there a Starbucks where they all hang out together? Is it (laughs) family money? Do I have to learn how to play golf? I I don't like golf, but you know, is that, is that, what's the best way in your
5: opinion? Every single one of those ways is a good way to do it. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know, because you'll meet them everywhere. Um, fortunately, all the investment club meetings, like the Illinois Empire Real Estate Investment Club, for example,
4: real estate and date. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, they uh, they code. they go to those meetings. They you know because they find them on Meetup.com. Right. You know, they find them online. They they say, oh, the Illinois Empire Real Estate Investment Club. Maybe I can go there and find some people that want to do some deals together. Okay, people might have some money that they want to put to work. They want to do deals, but you know, they're going to find out that finding deals isn't that easy. And sometimes it's easier to work with guys that are finding the deals and then have a team put together. So, you know, for you, it's about putting together a presentation for them. So once you say, oh, you got some money to to invest, great. We got some deals. Why don't I take you to a couple of them tomorrow, you know, or today or whatever. Let's go drive out to these three properties we're working on. And Mm -hmm. uh, I can show you what we do, what we're all about. You meet some of our crew and... You know, and then do you have a, 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 a if you bring an
4: investor out to a property? Do you have a pre-structured arrangement that you want them to do, or do you kind of say, how would you like to fit into this project?
5: Um, so okay, so you're saying like I have a deal like under contract and I'm ready. Like, we're ready to close on this thing, right? Generally, at that point, I don't. I don't. Like, I would not have an investor go out and look at that thing for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, because I. <laughs> it, for me, we have we have a bunch of investors, so <laughs> like we have. Right. When we show a property to these people, they've already seen projects from us. You know, it would be more like this is a project you could have gotten. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have I have driven investors out to properties that we're about to buy, um, but it's not for that deal because you know that deal already taken a by bit somebody late in the else game at that point. Yeah, right. I'm like I'm like yeah. this is one we're going to be closing escrow on next week for you know or something. Um, this is one you could have gotten. I'll give them the details on how that deal would have played out. Uh, but they, you know, but so for the next one, I'll put you on the list and then you'll get the, you know, the email. Right. But this is somebody that I've obviously established a very close personal and business relationship with. Because, yeah. you know, you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be selling securities to people you don't have professional business relationships with or personal relationships. You know, we got to get to know these people really, really well. Um, you know, and since we're talking about it you know we, we probably shouldn't we should mention that we're not attorneys or anything like that nope. and, you know definitely not tax accountants and I, I have no no professional degrees no if you want to get in any kind of investment deal you should always do your due diligence <laughs> you know do your homework talk to your attorney talk to your tax advisors you know these people can tell you the right stuff Absolutely. Uh, we can just show you what we're doing that's right. all we can do right yeah you know, we're just having a conversation definitely not trying to sell securities i would never do that i i don't even know what those means Security. yeah what wow. is that yeah, I have no idea.
4: <laughs> so in your opinion and i and i know that, that that you and Steven have a, a good pool of investors that you guys work with mm-hmm. and you have kind of personal relationships with all of them. But what really makes a good cash provider for you guys? Mm-hmm. Is it like he's able to understand a deal? He's decisive. He, you know, he, he just wants passive income. What makes a good uh, uh, investor for you?
5: Good investors are passive, you right. know, like let us do our job, right? Like we know what we're good at. Mm-hmm and they're not going to be able to bring anything to the table most likely that's going to be, you know, amazing for us. That's like, you know, you can contribute so much more to this deal because you are X, you know, on these deals, like we've got more experience than most of them you could ever dream of having in real estate. So it's like, just trust us. We're the guys that do these things. You know, obviously they have to be able to sign off on the deal and say, I like this deal. This is something I feel comfortable with. But, um, so maybe the, the ability to analyze a deal is that, do you look for that
4: or do you guide them through that?
5: You know, we provide all the information that we dig up. We we always provide all of our due diligence to the people that are going to invest. Okay. And we say, you know, here's everything that we've done. You know, here's the comps that we're using. Here's the, the rehab budget. You know, here's all the pictures. Here's all the everything we have. Mm-hmm. And so we've already decided this is a good deal, you know. And when we send it out, it's like you're not seeing all the no's, all the ones that we looked at right. that we're not doing. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the investors only see the ones that we're good to go on. Right. You know, like there's a lot of guys out there that will try to push through a a crappy deal, you know, and try to get people to fund a bad deal. Right. We don't do that because we have the experience. We know better. (laughs) So, and it's ultimately, it's not my money. Exactly. I've got to be
4: even more careful. Absolutely. I, I, I don't just pass the bar of, yes, I would do this with my money. It's, this is not my money. It's got to be even better than what I would do.
5: Yeah. Would I do this with somebody else's money? Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a question more people should ask themselves before they jump into these things. Yeah.
4: I mean, ultimately, our jobs are to be good stewards of investors' money. Of course. This uh, is
5: money they've worked hard for. I mean, you got to right. treat it better than you treat your own. Yeah. And money you know?
4: is a, a representation of somebody's time and decisions. Right. So, you know, it's, 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 it's you have to be really, really careful when you, when you're choosing these deals to present. Absolutely. You know, and
5: you got to stick to your budgets and there's, you know, there's, there's things you need to do to be a good steward of their capital. Absolutely. Right. You know, I, that's the number with, one with job with my in own this game. money. I can go order Doordash every single night if I feel like it. You <laughs> right. know, I can waste all my money <laughs> however I choose. But right. you know, if it's their money, you know, we shouldn't have Doordash deliver all the building materials to the job site. You know, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> keep it on budget. Uh, so what makes? What are things that that you don't?
4: Want in an investor is it? Is it they want some sort of control in the deal? Control they
5: is a big one. Yeah, that's that's been the most annoying thing for us in the past. You know, is when investors really want to get actively involved in the deal and they want to come out and see it all the time. And it's like, you know, I don't go and see the properties. I, I don't. I, I rarely ever go see them myself. Usually, mm-hmm. it's, if somebody's going, it's going to be Stephen. Sometimes I go. You know, because it is still fun. I do enjoy it. But there's a lot <laughs> I have to do back at the office. Right. So, um, you know, it's usually the contractor. And it's like hey, the investor wants to stop by. You don't mind, you know, showing up and, you know, showing them around you. It's like it's inconvenient to them. <laughs> yeah, you know, like they. not all contractors keep the job sites in pristine condition while they're working on them. And, you know, it's it, it really does just kind of get in the way. It delays things. Right. Like we we like the people that just kind of trust in the process and just sort of, you know, sit back and enjoy the ride and, you know, wait till their check comes back. You know, it's... And what kind of updates do you provide your, your investors? We don't about? provide much. Okay. You know, and the reason being is because the more we provide, the more questions get asked. <laughs> you know, right. if I send them pictures and the roofs and the, all the ceilings been torn off, for example, that's going to open up a can of worms for them. Thinking, oh my God, what's going on? And now they want to go see it. Right. Now they're concerned for their, you know, for their investment. Um, you know, we have we have a Dropbox that we put all the pictures in, and they have access to it, but they mostly don't check it. You know, especially the ones that have invested with us multiple times. Right. They're just kind of like, you guys are doing your thing. I, you know, the time I did look at the the pictures, I freaked myself out, you know, (laughs) and this, you know, it's happened more than one time to us where. If I go in for surgery, I don't want to see the video. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to watch the live feed while while they're doing
4: it. (laughs) Not a good thing for me. So, yeah, no. Um, How do you vet? Uh, investors that come to you do you want to see are they accredited do you want to do you have a profile that you have them fill out or
5: what what is it how do you how do you vet them yeah we have a we have a whole like you know a series of things that our attorney put together for us our securities attorney okay uh, that you know it's like there's a questionnaire they have like where to ask them what their income is and what their assets are and stuff like that because you do have to qualify um, our the way we raise capital we do have the ability to take on some non-accredited investors but um, you know that's really, really kind of tough for us to do because the amount of money that's at play in real estate is much bigger than most non-accredited investors can handle. Right. You know, so if you if we wanted to pool together, say like four guys with fifty thousand dollars each to do a two hundred thousand dollar deal or something, you know, we could we have the ability to do it. We try to avoid it. Um, you know, and there's a lot of reasons why, but uh, generally, yeah, we like to bring on the accredited investors because these are people that have the ability to evaluate a deal. You know they're playing with their own money. They're right. familiar with like the process. And, right. Uh, when there's when they when they don't have that level of accreditation, there's a lot of questions and a lot of handholding. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. A lot of fear on their part. I'm sure. A lot sure. of fear. And you know, you you don't want to be playing with somebody's only fifty thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. It's, they're
4: they're going to nose around quite a bit, right?
5: They will. And that those are the people we find are usually the more concerned. Yeah. The more like calling you every single day or every week, you know, <laughs> and and you know it's. I, I it's not that i like it's not that i don't understand why they're doing it it's not, not like i got like of feel for them but right. you know like we tell them going into it this is going to take some time I, you know <laughs> there's going to be some ugly parts of this thing you may not like to see and you know it's just the reality of it yeah who knows
4: do you want to know how the soup is made? <laughs> 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 yeah exactly so it, on to hard money lenders because i'm still using hard money mm-hmm. with a private money gap funding um but I'm a relationship guy. Mm-hmm. I, I like to know people's processes, uh, that I can trust them. They're, my hard money guys are a great third set of eyeballs on this thing to, to kind of check the numbers. But mm-hmm. give me your thoughts on a relationship with a hard money lender. Should I be shopping them constantly or can I get into a routine with one and, and, and it'll
5: work? I mean, hard money lenders. If you're working with like a good one, mm-hmm. you know somebody like Ryan Raven over at Rehab Loan Group. You know somebody like That's that, great guy. Great guy. He you know, really is. Like these, like these guys. They, you know, they can vet your deal. They've been in the business for years. They, they know what a deal looks like. Right. Um, you know, it's sometimes you just like to have that service. And but the good thing is, sometimes these brokers that are out there, they are constantly shopping on their own for the best deals. Right. You know, you may not always have the same lender on a deal, but. Um, sometimes the best part about working with a broker is that they're always shopping for the best deals for you. You know, I know that Ryan constantly is shopping for new stuff, you know, he's always telling me about new people he's taking on, you know, and I know I'm always signing new, uh, uh, <laughs> broker agreements, you know, to, uh, <laughs> with these people, but, um, there's a
4: deep pool out there of, 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 uh, of lenders. So, yeah.
5: Yeah. And right now there's, there's a lot of lenders that are competing on price, right, you know, right. the leverage isn't changing much. It's still 70 to 75% ARV is going to be your average. But but
4: your rate and points are, are really kind of starting to to move.
5: Yeah, rates are moving. Points are kind of staying around the same. You're always going to be around two to four points. It's right. just kind of the way it is. Right. You know, because everybody wants to get their cut, and so. But I'm so comfortable with the
4: the Harmony Liner that I've used before that I, I don't if if it ain't broke I don't want to fix it kind mm-hmm. of situation. But yeah. I don't know if I'm shooting myself in the foot on that one.
5: No, you're, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Cause if you're, if your person that you call up is hassle free for you, yeah. you say, Hey, we got another deal. It's one, two, three main street. Then you hang up and <laughs> yeah, you practically have the deal funded. You just have to get a few things in order for them. I that's mean,
4: really how it's working for us. And you know, we, they don't charge us to come out and do inspections. And a lot of times we can just send them pictures and like, yeah, that's good. Here's your money. Here's your, you know,
5: yeah. for the next phase. Yeah, so. yeah, If it's, if it's easy for you, if there's, if there's if there's no complaints along the process, I would just stick with that person. Awesome. You know, I, like, yeah. I, you would have no reason to change. Good. You know, but if, if like in the process, you're like, ah, oh, but they always put me over to Janet and Janet's kind of rude. And, you know, <laughs> and then I have to go over to this person. Then the inspector comes out and it's always somebody different, you know, if it's like a if it's a if it's a process and if it's a difficult one, yeah. you know, then you should probably think about finding another one. But we
4: don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. It's really a, they've had even you know different people come in and uh, kind of manage the process, but they've they've all been really well trained. They're very nice to to deal with, and yeah. the process kind of stays the same. So I really like my hard money lender, but. I don't know what's you know if it's if it's a, if I'm shooting myself in the foot on that one.
5: No, I mean probably not. It, it, I'm, I'm sure, and I know who your lender is, they're, yeah. and they're probably giving you the best rate they can get because mm-hmm. I know who they get their funds from. So okay. um, they're they're giving you pretty competitive rates, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and it,
4: like I said, I mean it's it, it, there's a comfort of working with the same people all the time. But, yeah,
3: yeah,
5: I, I'm. Maybe I need to go talk to Ryan, though, too, right? Maybe. It doesn't hurt. Okay. You know, he, he makes it easy. makes the process easy. So uh,
4: <laughs> the next question I wanted to know is, is have you guys ever sold a property without a realtor? Because, you know, I, Jim Keller is one of those mentors through mm-hmm. the group, and he's just a, such a great resource for me. But I, I, I brought him to one of my properties, and he, he kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, look, we were talking about realtors, and he said, hey, look, a realtor is the most expensive hired gun on any project you're ever going to do. They need to work for their money. They need to be in this process from the get go. So go find your realtor. Now that's going to sell this, but I want to know, give me your thoughts on selling without a realtor. So I would love to have a realtor that just kind of does the back office stuff, the the TC, the technical, the transaction coordination, give Mm -hmm. them five grand, but I can sell, I can have an open house. I'm a sales guy. I can do this. So
5: what are your thoughts on selling without a realtor? So I've done it before. Uh, Yeah, I've definitely sold without a realtor. And, you know, like, well, Steven's a realtor. Steve right. Stevens, he's licensed. So right. a lot of times if we're tight on a deal, we'll sell it on our own. Which is how he saved our
3: deal that we did the first one exactly, we did Exactly. That's together. how we did it that was, one in Palm Springs. I so happy he did that. <laughs> I, I went with that guy forever.
5: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll do that in, in those cases. It's usually a money thing for us is why we'll do it. Okay. Because, you know, the deal went over or something like that. Um, but, but Stephen is a really experienced realtor. He, he knows also what is he's doing.
4: I'm not so experienced, but I'm, I want to try, you
5: know, man, on this next deal, sell it myself. But what's your advice on that? I mean, I would do it. I would do it because, you, you know what? If you want to do it, you should do it. Yeah. Because it's it's good to kind of learn the process. The cool thing is the very likely thing that's going to happen is you're going to end up selling it with a realtor representing the buyer. Right. And okay. their transaction coordinator is going to handle most of that for you. Okay. And you're paying half the commission. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it. You're paying two and a half to three percent commission. So, what, what
4: but, are the pitfalls that I would need to watch for? I mean, how would you vet a buyer if they're coming in and you didn't have a realtor to back you up?
5: So, I mean, the buyer when, when they when they submit all the stuff about the buyer, you're calling the lender yourself. Okay. You know, you're calling them up to see if they actually do have a pre qualification, You know, mm-hmm. make sure that they're you know they're good to go on their loan side. Um, you know, you you have, you do all the vetting. It's you're going to basically do what the realtor does, but. Most of what realtors do, and, you know, I'm probably going to get some, some, <laughs> some people not liking me for this, but most of what they do now is shuffle paper around. Right. You know, that's, that's most of what a real estate transaction is. A technology there,
4: has changed this game quite a bit.
5: There are definitely a lot of things in, in a deal that require a realtor, you know, where a realtors there to really protect you, you mm-hmm. know, all this good, great stuff. And, you know, they are very useful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We use them on every single one of our deals okay. because we, we don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, we just don't want to be a part of it. We'd rather somebody else handle it. See, so the brain so, power,
4: just maybe not the cycles for you guys. Yeah, it, it's better to kind of offload this.
5: We could do it, I and mean, we've done. It. I've done it before. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it, it's not complicated once you know how to do it. But it's for us, it's just a time thing. I'd rather pay somebody else to handle it. Right. You right. know, where I don't have to get any calls other than, hey, is that a yes or a no on that offer? <laughs> you know, yeah. and really, it's like, what do you think? You know, right? Like we we do kind of lean on the the realtor as much as we can because. Like like you said, Jim said, they're you know, they're a very expensive hired gun in the deal. They are. They're
4: they're more than any subcontractor that we've hired to do a you know, any particular piece
5: of a job. So Yeah. I
4: mean, I know they they earn their money and they're worth it, but you know, maybe that's something that I can do.
5: Yeah, it's, it's it's worth trying. Bringing value to my team. So. I would I would say give it a try, you know, because you can always list it if you're not doing a very good job. Right, we can always <laughs> take it off the market and, you know, have a guy come in and step in and do it right. But, right. So what I did when I, when I did it, I actually went through one of these companies that they, you pay them like $500 and they list the property on the exactly. MLS for you and they yeah. put your cell phone number down as the agent contact. And I think it's down to actually $95 now. It probably is, <laughs> yeah. you know. There's probably some out there because, you know, it's, Putting a, putting a thing on the MLS, it, it yeah, should And it populates on every site
4: you're around. So that's what it does now, yeah. Right. So, so they're
5: gonna show up on Zillow, Redfin, all, right. the, all the good websites that are out there, Realtor.com, it's gonna show up in any consumer. I mean, I would love to kind of do a deal where I sell it and a regular person finds it and we do it, because everything gets handled through escrow anyway. Yeah. You know, once, right. once, you get, once you get a contract and you're in escrow, you're mostly communicating with escrow at that point. You're not actually communicating with real estate agents much.
4: You know, to be honest, one of the one of the really cool things that I would like to do is like to to talk to somebody who wants to buy this house. Mm-hmm. I I love relationships like that you know yeah. getting to see what they like about the house and now what's their christmas is going to be like in here you know that kind of stuff I, I would love that piece of it that's the salesman side of things
1: right that, that'll, you know
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which bedroom's yours kids go pick out your bedroom <laughs> let's get into an <laughs> emotional buy here right <laughs> i mean hey that's that's how things are sold you know and yeah. i there's probably people listening that are thinking like you know okay i some guy did that to me when we bought our house you know he he told the kids to go look for their bedroom or, you know, he, uh, right. the, the realtor was baking cookies, you know, like, or something, you know, there, there's, there's things that people do to sell stuff. And yeah. I, I would rather spray the, the cookie smell the than cookie actually smell. bake cookies. I they, don't trust myself with that. They them. have those little things you can put on the air conditioning vent that, there you, you know, make the whole house smell like cookies <laughs> yeah. or vanilla or whatever you want. Orange even. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> yeah. So
5: uh, kind of
4: a little bit bigger picture. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about the market. Right. All right. So I'm a, I'm a big follower of Robert Campbell down in San Diego. I I think he's a really smart guy, but he keeps it simple. So he's got five market indicators that he looks like. He looks uh, year-over-year existing sales. He looks at uh, uh, housing starts in any particular market. He looks for defaults and foreclosure sales and then interest rates. Those are his five major. And- his secondary indicator is uh, affordability, which I was surprised at. I thought that would be higher up in the list, but he says it's less—it's less reliable because mm-hmm. you know that if you look at the last it, before we got into the recession, buying was crazy. Yeah, there, there, there was irrational exuberance. But kind of what 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 indicators do you look at?
5: Well, I definitely take what Robert Campbell says and just completely discard it. Oof. Yeah, I don't listen to that guy. Oh, okay. I, I've listened to him. Uh, In fact, the first time I was introduced to Robert Campbell was in 2012, and he was predicting a downturn that year. Okay. So I don't listen to him. Got it. Because what he said at that meeting was completely wrong. (laughs) So that's my opinion of Robert Campbell. Got it. Uh, I don't listen to the guy. I take what he says with a very, very small grain of salt. (laughs) So who do you listen to? Uh, You know, I do listen to Bruce Norris. Bruce Mm -hmm. Norris is somebody I pay attention to. I pay attention to uh, Christopher Thornburg. He's an an economist with Beacon Economics. A uh, very smart guy. Those are two guys I like to listen to. But we listen to our own indicators, too. Okay, so so what do you, what, what are the major ones that you look for? We look at a lot of things, but, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't discount affordability. Affordability is a big one. <laughs> you know, if people can afford to buy homes, they're going to. Right. Okay. You know, but what we like to look at, we have our own thing that we do. We're, we're calling it the MSA Index. We're going to launch this at some point. Okay. Um, but we, we look at basically... It's it's an affordability chart. It's can people afford rent? Can people afford uh, mortgages? Can people afford uh, you know? And it's, it's all the different types of mortgages that are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the thirty-year fix, and you also have some you know interest-only type stuff. And you know, it's really a predictor of when you get into a speculative market. And I feel like we're getting into a speculative market at Got this it. point. You okay. know, where you know that doesn't mean people aren't going to continue buying homes. Doesn't mean prices aren't going to start stop going up. It just means that for an investment and for an investor it's riskier because there's a chance now that somebody won't be able to afford that home mm-hmm. when you go to sell it
4: yeah I mean in a lot of places uh, you know before the recession we were 17 18 percent affordability rates we're getting close to that now especially in LA Orange County San Diego we're down in the low 20s yeah. so those are big indicators
5: for you correct oh yeah yeah absolutely they um, they uh, the affordability is a big thing I mean uh, nothing thing, too, I mean, you do have to pay attention to the house uh, housing sales. You know, there's there are a lot of things you can pay attention to as as secondaries, but you know, the overall economy is a good thing. There's one thing that I like to look at, which is um, it's the ratio between uh, the ratio of household debt payments. So yeah. this is kind of a weird one, but it's put out by uh, I think it's the Federal Reserve, and it's basically it shows how much people are spending of their disposable income on uh, their debt. Right. Basically, and that includes their more their mortgage, their cars, their credit cards, and so forth. And you know, it, it's right now it's kind of an interesting chart because it's low. <laughs> it's low consider like historically, um, where people are not spending a ton of money on stuff. There was one thing that happened before the last downturn where people bought a lot of things pulling cash out of their houses and yeah people were refinancing and right. people were buying you know dirt bikes and you know motorcycles and whatever they were buying all kinds of toys i bought six speed boats i figured i you did one's never enough no you never need only one i mean <laughs> right. what's your other family gonna do <laughs> but you're uh, a, he's kidding I, I, <laughs> yeah so you know right now lending is still kind of it's responsible lending mm-hmm. you know the the government put enough regulations in place where it's hard to borrow money if you can't afford to borrow money
4: right i mean i was listening to bruce norris he's saying you know since the recession probably 84 percent of the equity that's that's been gained back since the recession is still in the house people mm-hmm. aren't
5: going crazy like they were so and yeah and you're seeing HELOCs but you're not i mean they're they're out there but they're not being pushed like they were i mean i can remember 2005 2004 even when people were pushing HELOCs, pushing them like crazy right, right. and even through 2006 i mean they were getting pushed like very very hard on people and it's you know they're out there but they're not being pushed like they were and it's not they're, they're definitely not putting them out there saying like you know cash out the, the the money in your home and go buy a boat or pay off your car like I, 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 these were things that people were saying prior to the recession last time right they're not saying that this time you know yeah like they're saying it to fix up your home like they're saying it to do things to improve the value of your property like right you know that that's the kind of things we're hearing so lending still responsible which makes it hard to kind of say that because it's, it's not until lending goes crazy that we've had these crazy run-ups before. And I, you know, it, I, I think a lot of people have been saying that real estate is in danger. And yeah, it, it might be. But I, it, I don't think it's going to be the leading cause of the next recession. You know, I think some other industry is going to be the leading cause of it. Okay. So uh, last question. I think we've got about a minute left. But
4: uh, give me your thoughts on what buyers are most affected by rising interest rates. Is it is it the lower end FHA buyer that's that's got uh, a first time home buyer? Is it the first move up buyer? It looks like the higher end properties are still moving fairly well, but the
5: lower end kind of slowing down a little bit. So, what who's getting affected by the interest rates most? I mean, interest rates are going to affect everybody, right? You know, and it's it, it just co- plays back into affordability again. Mm-hmm. You know, if interest rates go up, then your total borrowing bo- borrowing power goes down. Right. You know, if you can only afford to make a two thousand five hundred dollar payment each month, that's only going to afford you with X number of Mortgage payment or
4: so if a I could, mortgage. If I can afford a $600,000 house, now I can get five forty. you know, that right. kind of house, right?
5: Yeah, so if you're, yeah, that just took you from Orange County into Corona, you know, like, <laughs> right. like so if you want to buy a home, you're moving, you're not, you're not going to live in Orange anymore. You're now moving into Corona or Norco or Eastvale or something, you know?
4: So is there a strategy you should pay attention to with rising interest rates? Do you want to move to a different segment or out of the business completely?
5: I mean, it's it's always looking at, you know, price brackets, you know, price brackets are kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is something my mom used to do. She used to break out every single, uh, home in, in Merino Valley based upon its price bracket. So, uh, you know, like homes from, uh, 150,000 to 200,000, you know, and things like that. She would break them up by size and all kinds of stuff. She did a lot of this data, um, to really break it out. And so that's all the time we Yay, have for today. Great so, show. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you all for tuning it again. We'll uh, see you all again next week. Have a good weekend. everyone. We take care. <laughs>